Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and this Bible study program is Shi'ar Jashub, an in-depth examination of the scriptures with a focus on what God says about authority in the church is relevant to our day. And my husband, Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and author of The Nature and Power of Prayer, has been conducting such a study. The current section of this Heavenly Authority series is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and deals with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When we left off the sermon last time, Pastor had read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 to 23 as a reference for this teaching in 1 Corinthians. Here is Pastor Greg Scalzo with the conclusion of the sermon. And he, the Father, put all things under his, Jesus' feet, and gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is his body, he is the head. We should each be receiving, leading from the Lord Jesus Christ as to what we should do. What is our service? What is our ministry? What gifts does the Lord desire for us to have? And what is the working? How will God work the work in each of our lives individually? It's in his service according to his will. And Paul goes on here to show how all the parts are necessary. One is really not more important than the other. And that agrees with what we studied, right, weeks back, that you are all brethren in the Lord. Every part, some parts are more visible, and he's going to go on to explain that symbolically in the body. Some parts are more showy, but every part is necessary. And really, they need to be coordinated under the head Christ Jesus for the body to work well, for it to be a healthy, strong, coordinated body. Let's just read it very quickly. Uh, verse 12, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body, that one body being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. We read that last week, right? Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. And that emphasis over again, over again, one Holy Spirit. You have one Holy Spirit. There should not be divisions among you. If you belong to one Lord Jesus Christ and you have been gifted by one Holy Spirit, you should be working together, Church at Corinth. You should not be divided except because of sin. And notice he says, the Spirit, the one Spirit, baptizes us into one body. We become the body of Christ. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. In Ephesians, going back to Ephesians again, in chapter 2, in verse 11, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, but what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ, you who were once far off 
have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both, Jew and Gentile, one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the hatred, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, Jew and Gentile, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God, because they're both separated from God, Jew and Gentile, reconcile them both to God in one body, one body, through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. One body. He takes those who are far off from the commandments of God, the Gentiles, and the Jews who have the commandments but are still separated from God. He reconciles them to God. He reconciles them to each other. And not only them, but uh, slave and free, rich and poor, all the different divisions of mankind into what? One body. So even though it's not wrong to have individuality, right? It's nothing wrong for a Jew to acknowledge, I am still a Jew, and I believe in Jesus Christ. That's good. That's part of the problem that happened over time in the early church, that because the Jewish people were kicked out of the synagogues, they got assimilated into the church and gave up Jewish identity altogether, which really was wrong. They should have maintained saying, we're Jews, we believe in Jesus, and we're part of the church. But even though we can maintain identity, it's still one body. It's not right that Jewish Christians should be worshiping in a Messianic church separate from Gentile Christians. We're called to be one body, very clearly stated here and in Ephesians. He makes the two one. When you get saved, you can still say your ethnic group, what you come from, your background. We still all have personal histories, but we come as one body. And I think that's part of the problem today in some of the movements today. Sometimes it gets so separate it's like two different Jesuses being taught. Jesus is one. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink, we all drink into the one Holy Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. You each have individual roles. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Well, you can say that all you want, but it's not true. It's still part of the body, right? And how far is the hand that does the performance? How far will that hand get that performs if the feet don't work, right? You can do great things with your hands, but if you can't walk to the place you have to do them, you have a problem. So not every part of the body is the hand, but just because the hand might look showy, it doesn't mean you don't need the feet. And in this anatomy, that Paul gives us here becomes very clear on a very on a level we can understand because what part of your body, if you said to somebody today, okay, what part of your body do you want to give up, right? That's a question we really don't want to answer, right? We don't want to give any part up. And even the parts that we've been taught as children in, uh, in the public school system were vestiges of evolution, we now find out have purpose. They were ripping tonsils out left and right from people saying, well, you don't need them. Well, now you can live without your tonsils and sometimes they become so infected they have to be taken out. But they do perform a function. They understand that today. That every part of our body has a function and a purpose. And we really need all our parts to be totally healthy 
totally strong. If the whole body, if we go down to verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of a body, is it therefore not of the body? Now, it sounds ridiculous to say it, but we do that sometimes in the church. I'm not part of that. We have an attitude to say, well, I can be a Christian on my own. I can love God. I can, I can worship God on my own. After all, everyone has so many problems. I'm not part of the body. I'm not an eye. I'm an ear, so that's it. And it's ridiculous because whether you want to recognize it or not, you are part of the body. If you're saved in Jesus Christ, you're meant to be part of the body. And you know, when they come and pull the rest of them away that you're not associating with and drag them off into prison, they're going to come and get you also because you believe in Jesus Christ. You're tied together. We are tied together whether we like it or not. And as silly as it sounds here, how can an ear say I'm not part of the body? That's how silly we can be as Christians when we don't recognize we have a purpose, we have a role. We better wake up and find it because we're part of that body and it's better for us for that body to function right than function wrong and be weak and be something to be just trampled on by demons and devils and humans. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. You need it all. He's determined it all. Verse 19, and if you were all one member, where would the body be? If you all were alike, if you all had the same gifts, if you all had the same callings, if God did the same activity, exact same activity, you wouldn't have a functioning body. We are meant to be individuals in that body and do what God has called us to do. Now indeed, verse 20, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Think, Jesus needs us. He doesn't need us, but he has chosen in the plan of God to need us, that we should be his body in the world. That's what he's called us to, that we would be dependent upon each other. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, uh, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Sometimes some of the more vital organs are the weakest, and they need strong muscle to protect them. Verse 23, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. They get treated specially, they get covered in a special way. Verse 24, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And the purpose of this is to function, to be Jesus in this world, that there should be no division, that we understand we depend upon each other, and that we understand we need to care for one another, because if we don't care for one another, if we become selfish, if we become self-centered, we say, well, I'm not being harmed, that person's being harmed, but as that person gets harmed, if they're in Christ, it's going to affect you. If someone has a cancer in their body, sooner or later, it will affect every organ in that body. He puts us together like that, that we care for each other. Many members, one body, 
one universal body of believers. That's why it was so important in the, in the Apostles' Creed. When they would say one Catholic church, they weren't speaking about the institution that would be formed later on. They weren't talking about an organization as we know today, the Roman Catholic Church. That word in the Greek meant the universal. There is one universal body, one holy Christian church from kata by and holos whole, by whole. That whole Catholic, that whole universal body of Christ is needed to work together, to function together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you would give us insight through the studies of your Holy Scripture, that you would give us a clear picture of what the church should be like. Father God, that we would focus, Lord, on you and your will in each of our lives, what you want me to do. What is your call in my life that I might be a functioning member of the entire body of Christ to do that which you've called us to do, that we might work together, be coordinated, in a very special way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets 10 a.m. for Sunday service at the Memorial Hall in Madison, Connecticut. Directions to our church and a library of Bible study programs are on our website at www.shiarjeshub.org. We also have a link to information on Pastor Greg Scalzo's new book, The Nature and Power of Prayer. Divided into 30 lessons, this very doable workshop on prayer can be read over morning coffee and will bring you into the victorious hand of God's blessings. Join us next time for Shi'ar Jeshub.